Hey, everybody. It's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again for our third season of fun. My name is Dan. That is Mike. How are you this evening, Mike? I'm doing great. Uh, excited uh, to get into this this Weird Islander. Always fun to talk about uh, fishermen teams. Uh, we've, we've, we've had a couple already and mm. uh, another one tonight. And um, I, I would say one one fisherman episode was happy with that being the, the Wendell Clark episode, although that it got a little uh, onerous <laughs> with the uh, yes. ornery with the, the Maple Leafs Islander stuff, but uh, still fun. And then one was very sad, that being the, the Kirk Muller episode, angry, mm. a lot of anger, a lot yes. of catharsis. Uh, but this one, I think, will uh, kind of be just weird, uh, which is the ethos of the show. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, this was a, a definitely a surprising pick, and uh, our guest can explain why he went with this player. Uh, you know, everybody knows our guest. Uh, you know him from ESPN. You know him from his pioneering Puck Daddy blog. You know him from his many, many podcasts, or you just know him from Islanders Twitter. He is the one and only Greg Wyshynski. Greg, how are you this evening? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> If you're online, you know me. I don't know about like <laughs> the real the real world. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like like when I when I get like weird when I'm walking around New York and I get like a weird glance from somebody who like recognizes me. It's it's most definitely somebody on the internet uh, yeah. that is doing that. I can I can look them up and down and, and tell you that they are not going to uh, Fashion Week. Uh, they are very <laughs> much on the internet. Right. Uh, uh, but thank but you for the lovely the lovely greeting. Um so happy to be on an Islanders podcast and I'm sure all the Islanders fans are so happy to hear me on an Islanders podcast. Don't worry, you're in a safe place. We're okay here. We're all friends here. We will talk about the the current Islanders team probably a little bit towards the end, but actually it's funny you mentioned the real world. I should tell you. I am coming to you from Old Bridge, New Jersey, near your ah. uh, original hood. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I grew up in Madawan, uh, which is the town next to Old Bridge. Yes, uh, and uh, I know Old Bridge as one uh, a town that had the only ice rink near me yes. growing up, <laughs> and then also as the town that I drive through to get to White Castle, where I also drive through, <laughs> um, and then I take my burgers back through Old Bridge yeah. and to uh, to Madawan. I know um, the exact White Castle that you're talking about, and yep. I have gone there, but because it's New Jersey and we have those jug handle turns, getting back to my house from that White Castle is such a huge pain in the ass that it negates the trip to White <laughs> Castle itself. So I have not done it in many years, and I don't want to do it again. And every time there's like a new strip mall or something going up, I'm like, please build a White Castle here. Please. No, nah, it doesn't. Need it. It. It, it never <laughs> happens. But yeah, there, yeah, there's one There's one right there on Route 9 in... Yeah. Uh, I guess I, I guess it's like it's what near the Amboys or whatever. Yes. But uh, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's the one I always used to go to. It's open late. It's it's I've, mm. I've gotten uh, crave cases from there with my friends <laughs> and eaten them in like the parking lot. Nice. And it's also you know uh, canonically uh, the White Castle that my dad and I would hit up uh, before going to games at the Meadowlands, and not oh. necessarily devil's games all the time it was mm. usually nets games yeah. when the nets played there because there was actually a white castle meal where for like a hundred bucks you got two like four tickets and i think four white castle meals or some wow something like that i mean this this is again this is your your mookie <laughs> blaylock nets you know yeah. where they're just they're just begging you to come see Sacramento on a Tuesday, um, <laughs> prompting you with greasy, spongy, steamed hamburgers. Yeah, uh, I mean the, 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 si the siren song of a slider. Um, exactly. But yeah, that that White Castle a a, a big uh, influence on a young Greg Wachinski's life. Amazing. It's the, uh, the the downside of all the wonderful success the Islanders have had these mm. since that their former captain left is that those kind of deals are now gone. You, know, you can't you can't just walk into Nassau Coliseum with a, a fake student ID and get in for five bucks anymore and <laughs> buy buy an energy drink from an energy drink company that went bankrupt while the promotion was still going on <laughs> and just use that, and just use that can to get into an Islander game. Right. 
Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's like the Islanders were having like canned food, you know, soup drives all mm. season long. It's like if you just brought random shit to an Islander game, oh, yeah. just, oh. they just would assume like, oh, we must be doing a promotion. Yeah. Come on in, see them play the they give you tickets to another game like two months <laughs> yeah, later, yeah, right? Yeah. Which is even even better. Thanks for right. showing up. The security guards will get a feast on on this chunky <laughs> soup and, and uh, for that. For that, you guys can come back to see them play uh, John Sebastian Jaguar and the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> so, like, one of, one of the things I've always said about the Islanders, and I think I mentioned this in, in uh, the column I wrote um, during the Tavera stuff when he came back, was, like, I've as much as, as I've had heat with Islanders fans through the years, like, there's a certain understanding and kinship between the Devils and the Islanders franchises yeah, as absolutely. being the enemy of your class enemy citizens and, and right. doing weird things to try to get people to come to games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, and, and in the case of like the Brendan Byrne and, and Nassau, like trying to get them to come to places that people shouldn't go. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, seriously. Oh, man. The, yeah. the Meadowlands. I was, if you've ever walked over the New Jersey Turnpike on that, like, wrought iron plywood driftwood you know corrugated yeah. ceiling uh walkway it was like taking a life in your hands but as mike and i will know if you've ever ran across uh what 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 is it is that a uh what boulevard was that we're like yeah nessa Co- yeah, yeah like nessa charles Lindbergh. yeah charles I mean, Lindbergh. yeah all the roads all the roads around the coliseum were dangerous whether it's Lindbergh yeah. or or the right. turnpike it was just like the, yeah. right none of the traffic lights right. ever were working right. and it was cold and dark it, and the Islanders sucked, and it's just, right. you know, it's not fun. <laughs> but fun. you would do anything to save on parking fees, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like that was the best part of it. It was yeah. the only the only sports franchise that never figured out to that people were still parking all over the place. Like, man, yeah. nobody's at the, the game. The, but right, there's a the lot of people bridge, at Kellenberg High School. The rickety bridge that was just referenced is one yeah. that it connected the parking lots at Brendan Byrne, which you had to get to, like, hella early to get a space. Yeah. Um, or, or you had to be like a preferred Parker type deal. And then also, and then you take the bridge went to giant stadium basically, right. which was where the, the overflow parking was for games. And, you know, basically you, unless you were playing, you know, Ottawa, you know, during the week, like you had to park by giant stadium cause there's mm. like actually going to be fans there. So <laughs> that the, 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 the bridge had planks missing, uh, mm. you know, underneath your feet, like They're it was treacherous. And then also it had um, this sort of like siding on the on the walls to protect you from like the whipping winds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise push you into oncoming traffic. Right. And then and then but the cool thing was, is if you banged on those, like the sound would reverberate through the entire bridge. (laughs) Like they were so loud and and you just walk through it on the way back to your car after a win and you just hear people going. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah. and, and and the sound would like echo through east rutherford right yeah it's really i mean it's like the honking horns at, at islander yes. games uh and oh, god that one of my favorite things about going to games at nasa coliseum too is you just would walk into random players for the opposing teams too oh, yeah. like they were fighting <laughs> they were fighting the wind too you'd be yeah. like oh look there's you know anders lindback or someone and you'd be mm. like god damn like what is what he's walking <laughs> the same walk as i am because he's coming from the marriott and like mm. he got lost maybe he was going to chipotle across the street or something <laughs> or it's uh yeah but like you said there is a there is definitely kinship i definitely. was at a game down the stretch last year i was at this last devil's game, islanders game on friday but last year a uh, big game for the islanders and during the intermission, uh, one of my f- friends that I was at the game with had Devils fan friends that uh, were also at the game. And it was so cordial because all we were talking to them about was like, you guys got to beat the fucking Rangers. Like, you guys got to <laughs> beat them in the playoffs. Like, please just make sure you take care of them. And and they were like, yeah, you know, we will. And look, if they beat us and they play you in the second round somehow, like, you guys got to mm. take care of them. And it, mm. that's all it was. And, and it is true uh, enemy of your enemy kind of stuff. And yeah. there's just nothing... There, yeah, no ill will. It could change, of course, with if if these these two teams ever meet in a playoff. series. I was going to say but, one playoff series yeah. changes everything, obviously. But as for yeah, right now, I'm there's try to definitely kidnap Jack Hughes and, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, things things change. Yeah. But we're all going to be we're going to be tracking flights to and from Newark uh, to see where the team is at and everything. Uh, before we get into tonight's weird Islander, though, I do have to have uh, I do have to ask you a question because not only are we all hockey fans here, but we are also all fans of Bravo's fantastic competition show top chef you Love do a it. podcast about it so uh if you had to pick one top chef contestant to manage an nhl team who would it be 
I should say the podcast you reference is called Mizen Pod uh, that my wife Ruby and I do on the uh, Puck Soup Patreon. It's a monthly podcast, unless Top Chef is in season, in which case mm. it's a weekly podcast, and we cover nice. every episode of every season. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. Mm. Um, I would pick uh, Stefan, and I don't remember what season he was on. Um, that was season five because you stole my yeah. pick. But go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's totally the pick. Like that guy. That guy reads very sort of like a uh, European coach that comes to the NHL and tries to do his best behind the bench dealing with North yeah. American players. Um, <laughs> but he's also very like egotistical and temperamental as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah. like a swaggery dick of a coach, yeah. like a John, John Tortorella in Matt Sundin's body. <laughs> and, uh, and he'd be my pick. Yeah. Uh, Mike, who would you go with? Uh, I'd go with Angela. Hmm. Uh, and he would coach the New Jersey Devils because he just looks he looks very New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that would just yeah. I'd, it's a gut pick more than anything. I think he'd he'd probably not last very long. Yeah. Uh, but maybe he would get another job and become infinitely infinitely more likable in that second gig. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, and we'd all be rooting for him. I was going to say Stefan too, because he's got he's my favorite type of reality show person in that he's a huge jerk, but he's also really good. And he made it all the way to the finals because he was really awesome. And you, you yeah, wanted to awesome. hate him, but you'd be like, man, he's just so good. Also, he's a dead ringer for Yarmo Kekalainen. So I figure if people well, would you're think right. that That's he's... who he looks like. He looks like Yarmo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're right. Very so people much might so. think they're dealing with Yarmo so that he might get away with stuff. Also, you know, if the season continues the way it's going, Yarmo might be working for him by the end. So we'll have to see that. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about Top Chef or New Jersey White Castles or you treacherous sure? ways to cross the Jersey Turnpike. We're here to talk about a specific weird islander who, who you have chosen. So, Greg Wyshynski, will you please reveal the subject of tonight's episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast? Yeah, that weird islander is, of course, a devil. Alexander Seamack. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, we, I, I love this pick because people are going to see your name on here and be like, oh, that's cool. And then they're going to see Alex C-Mac's name here and be like, who? Which is the exact reaction that I want from these things. Uh, before we get into hey, hey, look, 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 I know, I know that we've got to get going on this show, but I got to admit, I had no fucking idea this guy was an Islander. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the whole point. That's, all that's point. the whole, that's the whole point of the show. The show yeah. kind of was born out of, Hey, you know what people don't realize or remember that Chris Osgood was on the New York Islanders <laughs> and, and wore his red pads, you know, right. like that kind of, you know, and, and yeah, I've, that thought a, a podcast was born and now we're here talking about Alexander Cmac in season mm. three. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've had episodes about people. I didn't even know were Islanders and I made the list. So it's, it's kind of show this is, but reminder that we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Islanders anxiety. You get ad free episodes of this show, plus bonus podcasts, written posts, all kinds of stuff. Plan start as low as two bucks a month. So sign up patreon.com. Slash Islanders anxiety. Uh, okay, so we always start with the basic question of the choices that were given to you. Why Alex Cmac? Uh, we because I showed you a bunch of devils, and he was yeah. the one you went with. So why him? Yeah, I was definitely going to pick a devil. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, he. I went with him because he he's a guy who played for the Devils in a real kind of formative time for me. Like mm-hmm. my first year being a hockey fan was was '88, the first time the Devils made the playoffs. Um, it was the like like that playoff run was the first time I, I really got into watching them and and kind of living and dying with your team, which has mm-hmm. been something I've said for years, which is like the only way you can really make a new hockey fan in, you know, Columbus or Sunrise is mm-hmm. if you've got to live and die with your team in the playoffs. And that's what happened to me. And and I was like minted. So from that point on, I was I was in into the devils and that that sort of 91 to 94 stretch um, before they they started, you know, challenging in the playoffs and losing to the Rangers and winning the cup and stuff is a real sort of formative time for me. It was still, they, they were still wearing the Christmas tree jerseys. I think <laughs> yeah. um, they, they had this weird amalgamation of, of young guys that never really amounted to too much, but then also <laughs> Scott Stevens. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a really interesting time to have been a devil's fan. And, and, and as you got going a little bit, you could start to see the pieces being put in place where, you know, all of a sudden now, uh, you know, like Niedermeyer showing up and Billy Guerin showing up and they're there with like, you know, Bernie Nichols, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a weird kind of mishmash of, of veteran guys and younger guys, but also 
the building blocks for what would become a championship team of of which C-Mac, you know, ended up not being, but uh, <laughs> but he was there anyway for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll get to his Islanders season in a few minutes, but his, yeah, his time with the Devils was really interesting. Uh, we'll talk about his big season too in a minute, but you know, he was one of that wave of players that a young and very, uh, progressive and, and forward thinking general manager out of the college ranks named Lou Lamorello, uh, worked very, very hard to get out from under the Iron Curtain, including Slav Fatisov, uh, Sergei Starikov, who was my uh, nephew's hockey coach, by the way. Uh, wow. and yeah, and uh, and Alexander Simak. So, I mean, as a kid, you said you, you got started watching in 88, but like, as a kid, were, were you conscious of this sort of element of the Devils? Because it really is very interesting. And, you know, Lou, I mean, not, listen, he's been in the league for a billion years. He's done a million things. People kind of forget this, that he was very much at the forefront of this. He went over to Russia. He sat with these guys. He brought them over here. Uh, I mean, was that something you were conscious of even as a little kid that like, wow, this is this is really kind of special that this team is doing this? I was I was because Starikov and Fatisov both came at the same time. and yeah. It was like a really big deal. Like they were always photographed together. And mm-hmm. and, and and I remember it being just a, 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 a huge moment. Now, I, I what I wasn't cognizant of was like the McGillney stuff that had happened yeah. a few years earlier with the, with the defection. And I wasn't cognizant of obviously anything about Fatisov's role with the Russian five and, and, and him being like an iconic player yeah. in Russia. Like I'm not one of these fucking Canadians <laughs> that uh, watches the Canada cup on VHS every two days. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't quite understand it. So, so from that aspect, I, I was cognizant of it, but I wasn't really, aware of the magnitude of it but it wasn't just them and then like Kasatonov showed up and i remember right. it was a big deal because he and fatisov had been like defensive partners in the ussr and then and then you know i didn't really like match cmac to those that group of defensemen really um but but the the fact that that lou was was sort of importing all of these russian players w- was definitely something that i was aware of as a kid cool. yeah and it's something we we talk about a lot. Um, we also we also talk about those Canadians who who watch the, <laughs> <laughs> the 1972 70 uh, Canada Cup and whatever. Pretty sure series. half of those guys you just mentioned are on postage stamps right now in Canada, yeah. getting be- getting beaten by uh, Canadian players in those. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're they're, they're, all, they're all existing in service of Paul Henderson's Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, we uh, right. we won't we won't name names, but there was there was a. a, a a prominent Canadian hockey person who wondered if Matvey Michkov um, mm. watched those games because, of course, he was playing for the Fly- you know, now he's playing for the Flyers, and if he understood the the connection between the Flyers players and the the, the nineteen seventy two <laughs> Canada Cup teams, and if that's going to be that's going to be on his mind. Was he then asked about his opinion on the tragically hipped and, uh, yeah. and how important, <laughs> yes. important yes. Gord Downey was to the history? Yeah, exactly. Yes, Gord Downey, who famously not a Toronto Maple Leaf fan so he's good at my books uh he uh yeah so this is something we bring up a lot on our podcast about Lou and how he has this I don't know weird reputation that I think is kind of unearned uh of being just an an absolute you know old school dinosaur like the dude the dude was basically lived a spy thriller he (laughs) he he was he was going across the to the Soviet Union and holding meetings with Slava Fatisov and these guys and like hotel rooms. He had to make sure he wasn't being bugged. Uh, it's, it's an incredible, there's, if I'm sure there's going to be books written about Lou that he's going to, it might be a short book cause they're not going to reveal anything. But if there is a book to be written about him, it's, it's this stuff that like him going over and, and, and kind of just like bridging the gap between these two countries during the cold war. Mm. I mean, the, Cold War was going on, and and lose this guy from Providence is over there. Try- Slava, why don't you come over? <laughs> like, like this is this is crazy stuff. And uh, I, Dan and I talk a lot. I've, I've mentioned the story about Jordan Eberle. Uh, he, he was pissed that the Islanders left him exposed during the expansion draft, whatever. And th- then he was having trouble getting a work visa. And then the next morning, uh, he got a phone call from, uh. Lou being like Jordan, like I, I spoke to the governor or, or it was the governor of Washington called him yes. or something. And it was like, you know, Lou called me. You're all set. Like, welcome to the Kraken. <laughs> like this guy is not, it's not like he's in the, you know, he's the governor of Washington. He's, he's uh, getting these 
Russian players out of behind the the iron wall. Like this is it's it's that insane stuff, and people right. just in our kind of the generation we're living in now just don't understand that this mm. guy is he might you might think the hockey of his teams are playing are boring but he is about as far from boring as anybody in hockey yeah. can be like he was also i remember you know he he like was somebody who found ways to create loopholes for like the waiver draft yeah. and yeah they had to like rewrite the rules to prevent yeah. lou from doing it again he was the guy <laughs> he well well before the establishment of robida island like Lou was the guy who found ways to make players literally just disappear. Just disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he, you know, before he's kind of become, like you said, the butt of a lot of jokes about being out of touch and, and what have you. But, you know, before that, he, he was somebody who just not, not only would, would push the envelopes on, on the rules in the NHL, but also was so powerful that he helped make them. Like, yeah. like, like yeah. he was on all those like rules committees with Batman and right. one of one yeah. of Batman's most trusted like uh, conciliaries and and mm-hmm. and like he'd make the rules and then find ways to break them like the you know the 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 um Kovalchuk contract wasn't necessarily Lou's doing I mean that was definitely ownership pushing for it mm-hmm. but the irony of of Lou circumventing the caps the cap in the way that he did while also helping to establish the cap is still one of my favorite like <laughs> yeah. circular logic Lou things of all time. It's the easiest way to break the rules is to make them first. Make them make first. Another way exactly. How to break them, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so Lou was, you know, a, ahead of the game in a lot of ways, especially back then. And he drafted Alexander Simak out of Russia in the 10th round, a round that doesn't exist anymore, in 1988, 207th overall. And uh, he had played a number of years in Russia already with Moscow Dynamo and Salavat and a few other places. So he comes over. Uh, so he, they drafted him in 1988, but he didn't make it over until 1991. Plays 25 games, five goals, 11 points. But then in 92-93, he breaks out in a huge way. Plays the entire season, 82 games, 37 goals, 42 assists for 79 points. Spoiler alert, he would not reach these highs again in his entire career. But that's insert, absurd that this guy just showed up and just put up 37 goals and 79 points. And like, I mean, he's. Got, I was thinking about this before. The Devils' list of like, you know, goals in a season is kind of not that. You know, it, you've got Patrick Elias, right? Uh, uh, Zach Parisi. I mean, Alexander Simak has to be what, like third or fourth on the list, or like, you know, most highest scoring Devils in a well, season. Like, that's crazy. They had a few great years. Like Gianta had a breakout year, oh, right. and then you know, obviously Jack Hughes last year had a had a, a forty goal year. So like he. I think he's probably been bumped down the list a little bit mm. in the last like 10 or 15 years. But, you know, for a while, like 37 goals from a devil's forward was insane. The, right. One of the reasons why I picked him is because of that season, because he was actually on a really, really good line with what was my favorite player growing up, which was Claude Lemieux. Like Claude mm. Lemieux was my guy. Anyone who who's read me or followed me online should <laughs> probably understand why. But uh, <laughs> um. But but like he was on a line with Claude Lemieux and Valeri Zelopukin. And in the great tradition of line names in the NHL, something we've certainly gotten away from in recent years, much yes. to my chagrin, uh, that line was christened pro- probably by Stan Fischler, uh, because <laughs> he was always pretty handy with naming a line. Uh, the sizzle line, S for C-Mac, Z for Zelopukin, L for Lemieux, wow. Sizzle Line was the name go. of that That's line. That's definitely that a guys were on. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. You, can, you can just hear it now. The Sizzle Line. <laughs> and he probably said it to Lou once, and yeah. Lou probably just stared at him. Was like, you know, in, in the intermission on like Sportsnet or something. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like Lou. Yeah. Lou, I've got the name Sizzle Line, and Lou was like, hey, Rod, they are the second scoring line. Uh, they, uh, they, play, they play behind John McClain's line, and that's why we call them the second scoring line. <laughs> what what yeah. needed to uh, cement it was if Stan and Claude had some kind of like intermission kind of rapport show like he used to have with uh, Evgeny Nabokov, you know, and he could have been like, you know what your line is called? The sizzle line. And Claude would have been like, <laughs> Okay, I guess I don't know what you want me to say, <laughs> but that but that's pretty good. And and you know that line, like you said, that was a formative era for the Devils. That was ninety two, ninety three. Again, this guy breaks out in thirty seven goals, and and you know all of a sudden the Devils are go from being like yeah they're okay to like being wow these guys can really score. They obviously you said they have 
uh, Stevens at this point. A young goalie named Marty Brodeur shows up the next year, and all of a sudden they are in the conference finals. They lost to the Rangers, but uh, C-Max 93-94 season, he must have gotten hurt. He was only 54 games, 12 goals, 29 points, so a big drop-off. The next year, the Devils would win the Cup. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't remember Alexander Cimac being on that Devils Cup team. That's because he wasn't. He got traded to Tampa Bay uh, in March of that year. So I must have been the deadline thereabouts. He gets traded to Tampa Bay for Danton Cole and Sean Chambers, who yeah. played a huge role, I remember, in that 95 Devils Cup run. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you were a fan of Cimac. You watched him on a line with your favorite player. Like, do you remember any kind of like, Feelings of, oh, man, that really sucks that they gave up Seamock. Uh, or were you just like, oh, man, this Sean Chambers guy is awesome. <laughs> who, who did we trade from? Oh, it doesn't matter. You know? No, I, uh, I think of- at that at that point, it was pretty clear that like the, 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 the page had been turned on Seamock and he wasn't going to really be much of a contributor. I remember I liked Ben Hankinson, though. Like he was your good mm. sort of like bottom six forward. He's an agent now, by the way. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah but That's again, where like. That came from. <laughs> <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> That deadline, though, like Sean Chambers shoring up the defense and then Neil, the big one was Neil Bratton getting getting him from from Minnesota. That was the huge game changer because the Devils had struggled for years to find that veteran center to kind of bring it all together. Uh, they mm-hmm. tried Bernie Nichols. They tried Peter Stasny um, and they, they just needed to find that guy. And he ended up being the perfect player for that system that they were playing. To the point where now when I play, I play, as everyone I'm sure has at some point, I play uh, Devil's Numbers in Powerball and Mega Millions when the jackpot gets really big. I play 95 Devil's winning, Numbers. Winning. Uh, I've, yeah, I've never, never won. But, but uh, um, Neil Broughton's number nine is actually the number that I play as the Powerball or the Mega Millions whatever uh-huh. number um, because I always considered him to be like the thing that kind of like brought them to the next level and allowed them to win the cup that year. That's... How did you find out about the trade? It's, you know, I, I love thinking back to how pre-internet I found days. Out, yeah. I found out about, you know, Darren Van Imp getting traded to the Islanders or whatever, <laughs> yeah. just, either in like the newspaper in, in Newsday on like a, you know, small yeah. little corner of the paper, or you just turn on FSNY and like, Oh shit, <laughs> we got Darren Van Imp now, I guess. <laughs> Where, how did that happen? And why didn't anybody tell me? Why isn't there it, a thing invented that can just tell me instantly if if the player got traded to my team? I mean, at that point, it had to have been like WFAN at that point is what I'm probably thinking. Like a like an up bottom of the hour sports update where they give the hockey news within 35 seconds. <laughs> and it's the it's it was a trade deadline deal. So they're probably, mm-hmm. you know, giving you what what the Islanders, Rangers and Devils all did at the deadline in those updates. So I'm imagining, you know, it was a three second mention by, you know, John Minko to, to let me know (laughs) the the devil's made a trade. I remember waking up one day and opening Newsday to find out that the Islanders had traded both their goalies and drafted Rick DiPietro and just being like, what the fuck? What what is happening right now? Did I I open, did I open like some kind of weird, it's like an almanac from the future. That's not happening right now. So 95, uh, he gets traded to Tampa Bay. He doesn't really do much there, 22 games. And at the end of the season, he is traded once again. And this is where the Islanders come in. Uh, They are about to be a very, very bad hockey team. They don't know that yet, but they're going to be. And uh, they need a lot of help. And so Don Maloney, who was the general manager at the time, makes a trade. He sends a a whopping fifth-round pick in the 97 draft. So a pick two years later. Uh, sent it to Tampa Bay to get C-Mac. And uh, Mike Milbury was asked about this, and I found this quote. He said, uh, we had a hole at center ice position for a while, and everyone knew it. Okay, fair enough. Then he says, at times, C-Mac has been a terrific player, and at times, he has been less than that. We'll have to see what he brings to us. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's a really glowing you know, <laughs> a review of your, your new uh, acquisition here. Uh, so, yeah, I have – I mean, listen – I'm like you, I, I'm an Islanders fan and I had no idea this guy played for the team until like years later. I'm like, wait, isn't that that guy who played for the Devils? So I have no recollection of this trade whatsoever. Definitely no recollection of this quote, but he just shows up and all of a sudden he's like the team's second best center. Uh, and uh, he ends up having a 20 goal season 
Like, this is what's so strange. He had 20 goals, 14 assists, 34 points in 69 games. That's a pretty darn good season. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. And, I mean, that that Islanders team, by the way, was led by Ziggy Palfi, who had 87 points. He had Travis Green at 70 points. Those are good numbers. Uh, and then, you know, you had uh, Matthew Schneider at 47 points, Marty McInnes 46. This would have been a good team uh, if not for the fact that their goalies were Tommy Soderstrom and Jamie McLennan, who I hope to get on the show one day, but we'll see. But uh, this is a very strange thing to look at a guy and be like, well, those are really good numbers. And then look at the team and be like, oh, my God, this was all. Now, this was also the fisherman era. Everything going wrong. Maloney would get fired. Milbury would be the GM. This is mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. Your Devils are having a bad season as well, as you, I'm sure, remember. they did. Yeah, one of the few, maybe the first team, first team to ever win the Cup and miss the playoffs the following season. I I think that that was the case. So I'm not even going to bother to ask if you remember Alex Simak playing for the Islanders after his years with the Devils. But like, I mean, looking back at this now, how shocked are you to be like, wow, he was an Islander? And wow, that's a pretty good season for, for a guy who I just, kind of went off your radar a year or so earlier yeah I definitely didn't remember him playing for the Islanders because you have to remember that at that point I was in my what would it be like seventh or eighth month of orgasm uh, after the (laughs) Devils won the Stanley Cup right um should mention also I don't think I I bought this up when you're talking about the cup that uh, my dad and I were at game four when they when they beat Detroit I actually got to see them win the cup um because he (laughs) He famously um, won won New Jersey lottery, and then decided to use the money to buy Devils Stanley Cup tickets. Mm. And his logic was, since we were going to very much get our asses kicked by Detroit, <laughs> um, he wanted to make sure that we at least got to go to a game that was going to happen. Yeah. So he had a choice of game three or game four. He chose game four not realizing that it was actually the devils that were going to pull off the sweep. And that's how he ended up at the game uh, on his wedding anniversary. No less, by the way, which oh. is really a, a whole different, a whole different conversation. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So like I got to see the devils win the cup and I was a super happy boy. Now I had no, I had no idea that he, hmm. he, he was, you know, what happened to him after he was traded to Tampa did not realize he usurped his service in New York. Did not realize he uh, had such a good season yeah. for the Islanders, no less. Do you now in your research, did you find any information as to with whom he was playing on the Islanders? So I found a bunch of links and uh, a video, and he was at least on a line at one point with Brett Lindros, who is oh. absolutely going to get an episode of this show at some point. Behind the Sharks' net, Sikora's got it there. by Derek King. You'll remember how he put that puck into the offensive zone on the seat of his pants or from the seat of his pants. C-Mac, Lindros came around. There's a good check by Lindros. Derek King with some hustle. Stripped of the puck and then C-Mac grabbed it and a quick wraparound. I believe it went in off the goaltender Wade Flaherty, but a quick move. By C-Mac, and the Islanders have their goal back. It went off the right skate, I think. Uh, I He was on the power play, too, so that would have mean he would have played with Palfi and, and Clark at some point, too. Five on three, minute 20 to the power play overall. Alexander Seamack to Schneider. Out now to McKinnis. Schneider again. Seamack to McKinnis. Now to Seamack, score! Gorgeous puck movement, it's four to one New York. about the patience of some coaches i suppose larry robinson that's what his team talks about the patience but the islanders had great patience in this power play they weren't trying to get the first one in the first minute they moved the puck well they were playing it around on the perimeters look at the beautiful passing play alexander c-mac to marty mcginnis returned and c-mac put it away 
And the Islanders have a four to one lead. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. But I mean, it's Mike Milbury. So lines mean nothing. Lines mean nothing. <laughs> Contracts mean nothing. No, nothing mean, the players mean nothing. They're just gone. Well, I'm surprised he made it through the whole season without getting traded to Anaheim or something or Hartford. Seriously. You know? seriously. <laughs> so it's pretty impressive. Uh, but yeah, no, he, he played all over. He played with Brett Lindros. They they, they had a, a, a scoring. Uh, they Well, he scored a goal, I should say, against San Jose. Uh, he actually helped the Islanders win a game in Winnipeg uh, by blocking a shot and then coming in on a two-on-one with somebody else, I forget who, to score a, a goal and make it give the Islanders a 4-2 lead. Anderson can't clear the pinch by Quint. Kachuk knocked down. Schneider smacks it around the boards. Anderson leans into Quint. 11-14 to go in the third. 3-2 New York. Again, the Islanders can't clear. Darren Quint's drive blocked by Seamock. Now Seamock squirts past Quint over the line. He has help. Seamock fires. He scores! Alexander Seamock has given the Islanders a 4 2 lead. You just had to have a feeling about it all. It was all the Winnipeg Jets. They were buzzing. They were buzzing. But the Islanders, they were playing a good, cautious game in their own end of the ice. Nobody was making the big mistake. That wasn't allowing the Winnipeg Jets to get a scoring chance. First time they break it, Alexander Seamack comes down the ice. You see what happens. The Islanders now have a two-goal lead. And it's funny because, like, I'm telling you these, these goals, these big moments this guy had and all this stuff. This season went absolutely nowhere. This was an absolutely terrible team. <laughs> they finished 22-50-10. 22-50-10. Oh. That's wow. awful. <laughs> 54 points. I don't know how they had that many. Uh, and the, the uh, good thing is, you, you finish second to last in the NHL, and you got a guy like Mike Milbury at the helm. You know he's going right. to make sure that second overall pick is, is going to be a banger. <laughs> you definitely set up for the future uh, with Mike Milbury at the helm. But uh, yeah, no, I mean he he was a pretty good player. And again, I'm looking at this roster, and it's really not that bad. I mean, the Islanders would have had way worse teams than this, you know, five years later. But man, their goaltending just—they could yeah. not get a save. At I, I'm all. looking at the goaltending right now, and so they, they had an 880 save percentage, um, and that was the fourth worst in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the like, San Jose Sharks had an 869 save percentage that yeah. season. They gave up like the seventh most shots too, because I'm like, oh, they probably gave up a lot of shots. No, not really. All things considered, but yeah, Tommy Soderstrom played 51 games. Him. 51. Well, he won 11 how, of them. So- yeah, you look, but their goaltending contingent was better than uh, two weird Islanders on on the Sharks. Chris Terreri with Chris Terreri. I don't remember Chris Terreri, who's yeah. I think on the Islanders uh, coaching staff being a Shark. Uh, and then uh, Wade Flaherty was in. Uh, right. It was a four headed monster. Yeah. Obviously, Urbe, uh, who yeah. Tommy Soderstrom walked so Arturs Urbe could run. Yeah. In terms of equipment, the sharks, the sharks for a while had had some weird Devils castoffs. Like John McClain, <laughs> right. famously was traded there after he complained about his ice time. I think on a game day or some such, or his contract or something, and and then Lou like put him on the next plane to you know, <laughs> Alameda. This, did, did Lou give him the, the orchestra speech? That, you know, yeah. we need, you know, are, are you a drummer or are you a violinist? <laughs> you want to be a violinist? That kind of, or is that I don't only know how the Sharks team was that bad, man. They, yeah. I mean, they look like they have had some talent. They must have just not, you know, it must have yeah. been a, a, a weird shooting percentage year for them or something. Well, they didn't have Mike Milbury at the helm. Yeah, that, no, that's obviously the key. Uh, but yeah, it, this was, this team was going nowhere. But individually, some of them had some pretty good seasons, including C-Mac. It's funny you mentioned Wade Flaherty because... He's the guy who C-Mac beat with a wraparound in that San Jose game. I was oh, wow. kind of hoping it was Nabokov, but uh, but it wasn't. But uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty wild. So, I mean, again, a very nice 69 games for a very terrible Islanders team. He finishes with 20 goals, and uh, that would be it. He he would be left unprotected in the next year's waiver draft. Uh, we have an episode coming up about Chris Osgood, and we get into the waiver draft there, but waiver draft giveth and taketh away and in this case it took it away alexander Seamack. and again we get another classic milbury quote milbury was asked why Seamack was not among the 18 skaters and two goalies the islanders protected quote because he was driving everyone nuts he doesn't distribute <laughs> the puck he plays his own game on his own time and wow quote. <laughs> wow so yeah brutal brutal so he ends up playing 18 completely meaningless games with the like 97 the most- 
<laughs> the most Frank Costanza quote that Mowbray <laughs> may have ever given. He was driving it one read it. Yeah, exactly. You could read it. <laughs> this is uh, another kind of thing to remember here for, for current Islander fans mm. and maybe those who didn't live through the, the Mike times is like, you, what on, on what planet would Lou Lamarillo ever say this? He just, be, oh, yeah. why, oh, oh yeah. why did you leave uh, C-Mac off the protected list? Uh, it was just his time. Yeah. Next question. Internal oh, not decision. even that. Not even yeah. that. Not even that. Yeah, it would be decision. like, you know, era we had to protect 12 forwards, four <laughs> defensemen, and one goaltender per National Hockey League rules. When yeah. we, we decided to do, tabulate how many forwards we could keep, there were some forwards that we could not keep. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, Garth Snow would have said it was a numbers game. It's a numbers yeah. game. What do you mean, Garth? It's just a numbers game. It's a numbers okay. game. <laughs> AKA, AKA we, I, I can't find two pennies to rub together right now. Right. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because elsewhere in this same New York Times story, it says that by losing C-Mac's $735,000 salary, uh, he was able to save money. And the reason that there was a swap there was because the Islanders made a pick in that waiver draft. And Greg, we can throw it right back to you because that pick was former devil Jim Dowd, who is not only just a hey. devil, but a New Jersey native as well. Uh do you have any? We're gonna we'll throw a little bonus weird Islander in here. Did you have any idea Jim Dowd was an Islander on top of being a Devil? No, but he was pretty well traveled. I think after yes, the Devils. Yes. And he, so the two most famous things about Jim Dowd: uh, first New Jersey-born player to play for the Devils. Mm -hmm. uh, his name may still remain on the sign outside of Brick, New Jersey, uh, Brick <laughs> Township, New Jersey, as yeah. having been uh, with the Devils. Second thing is like he was sort of the platoon uh, center with uh, Sergey Breelin mm -hmm. on the Devils uh, Cup team. It was like him and Breelin. It was a real Wally Backman, Tim Tuffle situation. If we're going <laughs> way back, right. uh, I remember that him and Breelin kind of splitting time a little bit in that spot on the Devils. Uh, but yeah, f most famously, the first New Jersey-born New Jersey Devil. That's pretty cool. Uh, don't feel bad about not remembering he was an Islander because it lasted all of three games <laughs> uh, on the island for Jim Dowd. Did spend a lot of time in the IHL playing for the Utah Grizzlies, coached by uh, our pal Butch Goring. So there, there you go. go. Yeah. The, thus ends the Jim Dowd chapter of this episode. So now uh, back to Alex C. Max. So yeah, he spends 18 games with the Canucks, uh, another, another bad team at that era. And then uh, after that, it was to uh, the IHL, surprisingly. Won a Turner Cup with the Chicago Wolves. Won a playoff MVP trophy with the Wolves. This was, again, before wow. they were an AHL team. This was back in the old International Hockey League days. Then he played for the Devils AHL team again, which is kind of an interesting turn. And then he left North America altogether. He played in Germany. And obviously went back to Russia and, yeah. and finished there. Now, hold up a second here. We're, we're, miss <laughs> we're, we're, we're missing a team here. Oh, okay. Uh, he he. According to Hockey DB, uh, Alexander Cimac played for the Las Vegas Thunder. Las Vegas Thunder, cool. a very famous IHL team yes. that um, I you know was really one of your one of your better Island of Misfit Toys type <laughs> IHL teams. So to give you a sense of what the fuck was happening here, uh, the assistant coach was Clint Malarchuk. Okay. Wow. Amongst the, the players that were on this roster that Alexander Cimac played 13 games on, uh, Kerry Huffman, Sergei Zoltok, wow. Brent Gretzky, Pavel Dimitra. Okay. Wow. Um, is it, is it, is it uh, Radic Bonk? I remember there's, there's a picture of Radic Bonk in a Las yep. Vegas Thunder jersey. Ruslan Soleil, uh, Red Light Rasico <laughs> was on the roster. And then Clint Malarchuk apparently played three games and was also an assistant coach. A little Reg Dunlop wow. action for Clint Malarchuk on this team. I know, yeah. So that's crazy. That's amazing. There you go. That's uh, that's a pretty wild group of <laughs> players there playing out of Las Vegas as well. That's pretty funny. Jeez. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Alex Cimac. I'm sure I called him Alexander Semin a second ago. But yeah, Alex Cimac played on. Oh, Robert Dome also another another '90s classic right there. And Jason Doig, former Ranger. How about that? Jason uh, yeah. Doig, wow! <laughs> oh, you you missed a, a Devils legend, Sasha Lakovic played ten games. Oh my ten god, ten games, yeah. 
81 penalty minutes. 81 penalty in minutes. Game. <laughs> that's, that's Sasha Lakovic. That Sasha checks the out. Masha, they used to call him. Yeah, I would, I would love to. I would love to know total minutes played on ice by Sasha Lakovic <laughs> on that team. Not many, not many. And after 10 games, like, all right, you need to go away because somebody's going to get hurt. It's, it's like in uh, Batman Begins. Uh, I don't need protection. No protection for them. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So that is the strange case of Alex Simak. Great one-season wonder for the Devils. Great one-season wonder for the Islanders and a whole lot of weirdness in between. Just your classic, like, post-88, pre-94 devil. <laughs> where they they were throwing everything at the wall to see if they could level up as a franchise none of it really stuck until you know 94 when you know they were in the red and black and now mm. like you said Rodor's there Niedermeyer's there mm. Stevens Danico uh Lemieux Riche like they now now they're starting to form that core that goes on to win the cup the next season but but alas Alexander Semak I almost said Semen Alexander Semak <laughs> was not uh part of that core there you go. Uh, one last fun fact. Uh, he had one hat trick in his career while playing for the Devils. And guess who it was against? You the Islanders? Islanders. You got oh, it. my God. <laughs> full circle. Full circle. Full circle moment. Okay. Uh, we are just beginning the NHL season. Uh, have you got a chance to watch uh, the Islanders? Were you at the Islanders-Devils game the other day? And uh, if you've had a chance to watch them, uh, what do you think so far? It's been some good... Some not so good. Uh, it's early, but uh, what, what what's your kind of takeaway on the Islanders right now? As, as no, I, I, I watched a little of that game on TV. I was not at that mm-hmm. game. Um, but, you know, like you said, it, it's super early, uh, mm-hmm. which is good news because you assume that Sorokin probably won't have these numbers for the rest of the season. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the thing I was really curious about with the, with the Islanders was what was going to be the ultimate impact of now having Bo Horvat for a full season. And, like, so far, so good. I mean, yeah. you know, he's, he's played four games. He's got three points as we do the show and has looked pretty good in, in doing so, um, leading the team in shots, uh, which is also a yes. good sign because I think shot volume was one of the real reasons he, he popped in those couple of years with the, with the Canucks. So... You know, the season was kind of going to live or die based on whether or not um, the additional scoring he gives the lineup can kind of uh, push them over the edge offensively a little bit because I think they're you know clearly an offensively challenged team. Mm-hmm. So you know that that's that's the only positive things going forward, and and you know what the goaltending is going to give you. So right. once again, I mean they're they're a team that you expect will be hovering in the wild card picture probably more than anything else. And if that's the case, then then you got to be pretty happy if you're the Islanders because I don't think they're necessarily a team built to like win a division. No, we don't want to. We don't want to win any divisions. We just we want to just come in and crash the party at the end. There, um, <laughs> I. Uh, that's what I, you, You'll you'll be happy to know that um, the reason Bo Horvat or or his we his real name is Bowie, by the way, David Bo- named after David Bowie, so. The reason that uh, Bowie Horvat is is often running the season is he was uh, you know, fully indoctrinated into Long Island culture over the summer because he got served a lawsuit um, for <laughs> uh, illegally um, amassing a landfill on his property that he was constructing. So he he got a NIMBY lawsuit thrown on him thrown at him yeah. over the summer. So he's a he's a true Long Islander now. Yes. Uh, that you, when you're dealing with NIMBY issues like that, you you're like, oh, this is this is this is heaven, baby. This is what it's all about. <laughs> See, uh, I so, thought you were going to tell me that he was spotted washing his Camaro in the driveway. But that, that also probably no, could. no, that stuff. You, that's like Miami stuff. This is yeah. this is Long Island stuff. You, you, he 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 his kids are enrolled in the schools. Yeah. He got a lawsuit, and you know you see him drinking a coffee, is, uh, you know, him. walking the the streets of, yeah. of Garden City, or you're something. Like, you're, you're like, that's... this is Miami stuff, buddy. I didn't say what year that Camaro was. <laughs> <laughs> the Islanders have been together for so long that Mike and I refer to them as the uncles because everybody's kids know everybody, every other guy as Uncle whatever. So like Cal Clutterbuck's kids know Matt Martin as Uncle Matt, and Anders Lee's kids know Brock Nelson as Uncle Brock, that kind of thing. So. Bo Horvat is an uncle. He's yeah, absolutely you know. an uncle. He's got the look. He's got the 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 lawsuits down. He's definitely an uncle as of right <laughs> so now. What, well, I've got you. Like, can you explain to me why, out, outside of the answer being it's Lou, there's so much stasis on a roster that was unsuccessful? Like, 
I'm, I'm seriously like like mm-hmm. like the only thing I can come up with is that he refuses to believe that the thing that he's built is inferior and is just like doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on it with a little Pierre Engvall thrown in for good measure. <laughs> You're like, great. Uh, sure, he's great, but like 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 is it that is there belief amongst Islanders fans that this roster can be better than it is? Um or or or, or is it just like lose blind loyalty to his own creations that this roster remains unchanged although unsuccessful (laughs) i i my theory is a very simple one so it's probably wrong but i think it's not so much a blind faith amongst islanders fans or luke i think it's a it's a faith amongst the players like they have just been together for so long that they just don't want to change i mean this is the running gag right nobody wants to no free agent in his right mind is ever going to just sign with the Islanders. Yes. Okay. Andrew Ladd, fine, but we don't talk about him, but like nobody's (laughs) going to come here and sign willingly, but yet when they get here, nobody ever leaves. Right. (laughs) It's like, it's like hotel California. I I think uh, it was Merrick's line. So I think these players, they just, they, they believe that they can win. And so they just sign here forever, I guess. And I mean, why Lou hasn't kind of, you know, got on board with like, well, some of you guys are going to need to go. I I have absolutely no idea. But, you know, this we've been talking. This is probably the last year for that fourth line. And if that's true, because two of them are UFAs, then that's going to be a, a whole different look for them next year with a whole different fourth line. I mean, that might as well. You might as well change the whole team. Around. Is it, I don't know, man. I feel like we've had this. They've been UFAs before and they end up coming back on like it's contracts. Well, it's wild. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I think for the most part, most Islander fans are, are more optimistic than the outs people off the island um because like if you look when they added horvat last year the stockholm syndrome or it it could be but (laughs) they played i mean they played at that this this a really good clip like they were a 104 point pace team over their last 30 games last season with horvat and without barzell so like just getting watching matt barzell play with another player who's really good at hockey is eye-opening stuff for us. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it is eye-opening. Like you, Bo Horvat made like a very simple cross-ice pass to him uh against the Coyotes the other night. And I was trying to think of even I don't even think Jordan Eberly makes that pass cuz Eberly was a little bit of a different player than Horvat, but I was like I don't I don't think anybody Matt Barzell's played with could have made that pass where he just cut two defensemen out of the play with a, a cross-ice pass that was just on Barzell's tape. I think it surprised Barzell how good the, the pass was. So, <laughs> yeah, um, and, like, and sometimes it's that's all you need for exactly. like someone to, yeah. to level up their game. I mean, look at look at Detroit right now. Like like right. Dylan Larkin is watching Alex DeBrinket and being like, "Holy shit, people can do that!" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> We're seeing some of that with Barzell, and it's, yeah. and I also like there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you look do yourself a favor and look back at like the twenty fifteen sixteen Islanders and see how many of those players are still around. Like they're this is it's. <laughs> unbelievable yeah yeah and but at the same time the team is a little different from what we saw last last year especially the beginning of the year like Angval for people in Toronto are like oh god take this guy like he doesn't go into the corners he doesn't hit anybody I was like buddy we have 30 people in this organization who do that nonstop like you go to the coffee shop at Casey Zizekas is ramming somebody into the glass like we don't need any more of that we don't need any more we got give us that guy give us the handsome tall guy with the great shot and and the speed and he he might you know check out of a play every once in a while I don't care I'd love to watch that because I'm I think we all know like Matt Martin and Casey Zizekas those guys aren't going to take a shift off but on their shifts that they are on they're not going to be able to do the stuff that Engvall does so I do think that there is a little bit of a it's not a different team because frankly at this point I want Lou to just keep lumping seven years at these guys because I maybe it is a little Stockholm syndrome I love them all to death Dan said they're the uncles I feel like they are part of my family at this point when they've been around this long like you how could they not be and they're very likable nice dudes uh and you know Brock Nelson is my my daughter's godfather he doesn't know it she doesn't know it like but but he is like this this kind of stuff like they so I don't. I also don't want to see them blow it up without them winning, and yeah. that's it's romantic. It's like they're because they're good enough to make the playoffs and like maybe go on a run. So yeah. keep doing it. Like it's fun. I'm having a blast watching. We've we've had a lot of fun watching this team uh, mm-hmm. over the past since since their old captain left. So uh, uh, keep doing it, Lou. Just keep I, stick around for as long as you want. I do like this roster, but if I got to watch this power play 
suck the life out of them every game a couple of times, I'm going to go out there and strangle somebody. So that's all <laughs> that to me is the biggest thing, like keeping the guys around. Cause if five on five, they're still pretty good, but how John McClain, he's already fired. That's the thing. Lou has fired John McClain, like at least twice and traded him. <laughs> and, he, and he still can't get rid of him as a power play coach. I don't know. That, that makes less sense to me than keeping, yeah. you know, Pierre Engvall for seven years. Like, I, I also <laughs> think we have a different version of Lou than, than you guys got. Yeah, like, obviously, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, it doesn't really land on people like how amazing it is that there's an 81 year old general manager in a professional sports league here in the like North America. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, he's not like that ruthless kind of, you know, fire the coach with a couple games left in the he's season. Mellowed. Yeah. Yes. Very yeah. Like he's so. just yeah, not that blue anymore. There was, I mean, there was a time. I, I, and again, like it's, it's amazing to think about Lou's career and how many people that like have come across him as Toronto fans or, or Islanders fans don't understand the history of it. But like there were times when, when Lou would, would, you know, fire a coach a season in New Jersey right. and then more often than not name himself the coach. Yeah. Now he wasn't like good at it, but he, he just decided the best thing to do is to literally scare the shit out of the players by having right. the guy that signs it's their so contracts behind the bench. That he, he coached the devils in the meaningless game for you guys against the Islanders where, you know, the way Dublowitz game. Yes, uh, and he yeah. made the great decision of starting Scott Clemenson. That, <laughs> and I, I swear to God, we talked about those Canadians earlier. Uh, I've watched that game a million times on YouTube, and there's a TSN version of it where James Duffy and a panel go around asking if if Lou, if it was outside the spirit of the game for Lou to dress Clemenson, because <laughs> had the Islanders won that game, it would eliminate the, the Maple Leafs. Mm. And Marty Brodeur had played 78 games that season, and the game was meaningless. And they were like. You know, is this right? Is Lou doing the right by the league and the Toronto Maple Leafs here by dressing the backup goalie, even though it's a meaningless game? Like Jesus Christ! Wow. <laughs> what did it, what did it mean for the Leafs? Unbelievable! Exactly, That's exactly the, the ultimate, the ultimate one. But yep. and to in that same vein, talking about Mike Milbury, I guess Mike Milbury is like doing his best to just like copy Lou because when Milbury would fire the coach and then name himself as mm. the coach, it it was just it didn't scare the players. I think they just oh. were like, can, can we get? away from can, can i get traded like can, can you get me out well, of this that, place and there was that one time where lou named himself the coach but then also named adam oates yes yes, yes. yes. as like the other coaches he's yeah. like you know i'm i'm much too busy for this so you're going to coach the <laughs> offense and then you're going to coach the defensive side of the hockey game and while i uh stand there and look menacingly at the players yeah uh, right didn't work out too well <laughs> <laughs> worked out about as well as Mike Milbury coming to coach the Islanders once every season and a half. So, oh, uh, but yeah, no, it. I mean, Mike and I talk about this all the time. Like the Islanders are the outlier in every way. They are the only team that like values defense over everything else. They have built from the goalie out uh, and they are run by a guy who just doesn't follow any sort of guidelines yeah. other than his own. It's weird. And yes, you know, it's weird I, that he's painted as like the generic, you know, Right, hockey man, milk toast hockey man. When he is literally the definition of of like the outlier. There's one team in the league that makes its team its players shave. They're the unique one in that situation. <laughs> by, de- by definition, they're the unique team. Yeah, <laughs> very weird, but uh, but anyway, uh, Greg, I hope you've had fun. Uh, it's been great having you on. It's frankly a little surreal after listening to years and years of your podcast to have you on one of ours. But it's been a pleasure, and we- I hope you've had a lot of fun. Uh, walking down uh, a very strange memory lane that I don't think you expected to go on anytime soon. No, it's my pleasure. I, I love, I love doing podcasts. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm happy to do this one. I, I wound up working out time wise. My problem is that there, there's always like a time during the year when I'm like, I go on Twitter or whatever. I'm like, mm. I want to do your podcast. Let me know how I can go on your podcast. And I get like 50 people being like, come on our podcast. And I'm like, Oh shit! This is actually going to take time, isn't it? <laughs> I gotta, I, instead of playing Fortnite or yeah. you know watching <laughs> like reruns yeah. of Bar Rescue, I have to go and and then like talk about these things on these podcasts. So I'm happy. I love doing them. That's that's my point. I'm I'm terrible with time management, but since it just worked out time wise, I was more than happy to hop on and and especially uh, I love the concept of the pod, so I was happy to, uh, to hop on and do it. Well, we will reach out to you again, and uh, we'll uh, try and find some some other ex devils <laughs> for you to come on and yeah. And you want to talk about Marek Zidlitsky? Oh, yeah, he was on the list too. Uh, <laughs> he's there. 
there. Another great one season Islanders. He was, he was great for the Islanders. He oh, was. So for, for those that are, I'm going to plug away for a second. For those sure. that don't know, uh, I still do stuff on the Puck Soup Patreon. I do like uh, a couple of different podcasts with the boys that do involve hockey. I do Misenpod. I do the OUFL, which is an overrated, underrated podcast every month with uh, like a special guest. I, I write a couple things each month there too. So if you're interested in all that stuff, it's um, just go to Patreon, look for Puck Soup, and uh, you can you can check out what we have there. And then uh, I got a podcast again, an actual hockey podcast called The Drop with my buddy Arda O'Cal. It's on the NHL and ESPN podcast feed. And that's uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays is when that show drops. We're also on uh, YouTube um, in case you really want to watch two white guys on a Zoom call. Uh, <laughs> talk about hockey <laughs> arda yeah i met i met arda at, at uh the nhl fantasy draft thing at the nhl offices and it's gonna sound weird to say this but he probably will will let you know but he all anyone could talk about in at that gathering was how good he smelled he had like this col- he had this cologne on that was like discontinued and you can't find it anywhere anymore <laughs> oh, wow. so he bought it up and all people were like, people had to like stop down the show to be like, Arda, I can't like focus because you smell so he, good, man. He's so. a really good smelling man. He's well, he's also well uh, put together. Like yes. his suit game is on point. He's like, you, he and I get along a lot because like we're both, we both work our asses off and we both love uh, hockey and wrestling and video games and Star Wars. You love Star Wars. I remember him <laughs> and saying And then also we, we both look like Zelensky. Like that's the other thing too about the drop that's fun is like when we do the when the show is like put on YouTube, there inevitably will be a comment from somebody being like, "Why do you both look like Zelensky, the Ukrainian president?" <laughs> and then I'm like, "Well, I'm actually Ukrainian. I can't speak for this <laughs> Turkish guy over here, but like <laughs> that's my excuse." Well, now what you guys got to do is get Zelensky on to guest as as a guest, and you could ask him about you know how the uh, the Canucks are faring uh, this season under See, uh, Rick Tockett. <laughs> I would love that. I understand the man's a little busy. Plus, yeah. there's always the chance that if you got all of us together on something it would be like that scene in time cop where the two people meet uh from different timelines and then just like melt into a pile of of goo cellular glue uh for having having disrupted the, the time like we all the clones can't be in the same place i guess is what i'm trying to say man we have we have covered a lot in this episode white castle alex Mac, lou lamorello and now time cop the, yep. the john claude van damme classic that is a full a full, full program, folks. And thank you, Greg, so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. And we Anytime. will get you on again, or we will bother Arda and get him on and ask him what cool. his cologne is. Uh, Michael Leboff, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read and listen to his work at Action Network. Any final thoughts on Alex Simak, the early 90s Devils, White Castle, Jean-Claude Van Damme, whatever's on your mind. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I guess we didn't talk about is that he was um, really, really small. Like he was like, <laughs> like, like the NHL was very big at that right. point, like Lindros and Mario right. and people like that. And he was listed at 5'10", right. which was, I think, generous. Yeah. So that was also kind of an anomalous thing about him is like he was a little tiny man playing yeah. center, like a little Russian Corey, little Russian Corey Millen skating out there. <laughs> Five ten in hockey terms is five eight, so that's yeah. How it works. He was he was the wee, a wee little thing, yeah. Right. No matter what, the, the, in my head, whenever anyone talks about an NHL player being small, like to me, the smallest player in NHL history is 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 Sarge Breland. Like I I just for some reason I always think of Sergey Breland being like almost hilariously small skating around <laughs> right. on the ice, and and yet and yet Nathan Gerby fit in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> thing. Wow. If, uh, we I always thought Nathan Gerby would be an Islander, and he has not been yet. Scored he might he might have been. You just yeah. didn't see him. Yeah, that's also <laughs> true. Yeah, and he definitely scored a hundred goals against yeah. the Islanders. Him and Yuri Tulusli, if they just played against the Islanders, he'd be in the Hall of Fame by now. <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, thank you all very much for listening. We really really appreciate it. We'll be back with a whole bunch of new Islanders, weird Islanders this season. Can't wait. We've already recorded a bunch, and uh, we can't wait to roll them out. Uh, make sure to sign up at patreon.com slash Islanders Anxiety for ad-free episodes and bonus content. Follow us at Islanders Anxiety Pod. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our theme music is Knuckles by Bjorn Falk. 
listen to more of his music at Bandcamp and Spotify, read Lighthouse Hockey, shop VintageIceHockey.com, try wines from the Pinot Project, check out FansForSports.com. And until the next time, keep the Islanders weird. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.